And what I really want to do tonight is just um, be a little less formal and allow us to have some conversation about the book of Ephesians starting tonight because it's not going to finish tonight. We'll only get through like the first chapter. And if y'all don't mind, I'd love for us to take the next six weeks because there's six chapters in Ephesians and really break down the book of Ephesians and what it's saying to us. Amen? It's one of my favorite books. I love Ephesians. I like things that um, Kaylee and Jessica were talking about doing like critical thinking test for some job application. And I was like, I love those because I love things that make sense, right? And I, I love that the book of Ephesians is balanced. You know, Pastor Allen talks about um, things being balanced, right? The book of Ephesians is, is a balanced book. Because the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about who we are in Christ. Well, that's good stuff to know, right? Who you are in Christ and, and really what you have because you are in Christ. That's the first three books of Ephesians. And then the second three uh, chapters, the second three chapters of Ephesians are because of who you are, this is how you should be acting. That's what the whole second half of Ephesians is about, right? So it's very balanced. The first half gives us who we are, what we have, and then the second half, because of that, here's how we ought to be acting. Amen? So that's what makes Ephesians different from, like, uh, uh, Corinthians. You know, Corinthians is very specific. Paul was addressing very specific things about... Uh, what was happening in Corinth during that time. And he was, was addressing very specific issues, right? He was calling things out by very specific um, happenings. And while they do apply to us because it gives us direction about certain things like that, it was, it was a very personal address. Same things in, uh, in Galatians. Galatians is very specific to the church at Galatia, right? It was addressing very specific things um, directed to them. But the book of Ephesians and Colossians are, are impersonal. Paul wasn't addressing something specific in the Ephesians church. He was just addressing the church as a whole, right? And so the book of Ephesians could not only be read then to the Ephesians, but it was really written for us today. The whole Bible was, but the book of Ephesians is so impersonal that there's nothing um, that's addressing a specific problem or an issue in their church. It's, it's a life instruction. Amen? It's, it's life instruction. Instructional living for, for Christian living is in Ephesians, right? And so I just want us to spend some time. I'm going to read the verse, and, and I'll kind of give some little commentary of my own. But here's what I want you to do. You guys are smart, right? You've been studying the Bible as long as me, or as long as you have been alive at least. 
or been a Christian, been a, a Christ follower, you have some insight, and I want to hear what you guys have to say. Even if we have to put this microphone down and just kind of circle up and do that, but we'll just start and see what happens. <coughs> Amen? Y'all got your thinking caps on? Got your study, study caps on? Want to get into There you go, Jordan. Put that thing on there. I want us to... I want us to draw some things out of these scriptures that maybe someone sitting near you has never seen before. Right? How many of you know there's some things in there that you haven't seen before? Right? There's some things in there that I haven't seen before. Hey, guys. And uh, we are in the book of Ephesians, if you'd like to catch up. We're just going to study the book of Ephesians tonight and really dig in there. And um, so as we read and as we talk it through, if an idea comes to you or even a question or a thought or, hey, what about this? Or, ooh, this reminds me of another verse over here that kind of goes together with that. If, if you, ha- you know how you're sitting in church sometimes and the preacher's talking and you're sitting there and you're going, man, I wish he would say this or... or you know, I relate that to this or that, or I remember when this and that, you know, and you have an idea yourself, the Holy Spirit's teaching you as the preacher's talking. Well, here's your chance to speak up, right? Amen? All right. So, the book of Ephesians, a book of instruction. Amen? And as it starts out, even the very introduction has some instruction right there. You know, um, Paul started each of his letters with like a greeting, like an introductory statement. Did you know there's a lot of revelation in just the greeting? Amen? There's like a whole message in just the introduction, in just Paul's greetings. Let's read it. And I'm reading out of the NIV That's my Bible. I've had it for 40 years, and so it's the NIV. And uh, your version might say it a few words a little different, but here goes. It says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul. So right there, we know Paul is the writer right there. Okay? Paul is the writer of Ephesians. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now let's stop right there. Paul was an apostle of Jesus by the will of God, it says. By the will of God. And that right there tells me the importance of being in the will of God. And do what God calls you to do. When you are in God's will, that's your place of authority. That's where you find authority. That's where you find the anointing. So Paul, operating in the will of God, put him in a place of authority to be able to even write this. Amen? It gave him the anointing to be able to pen these words. Amen? He was in the perfect will of God. An apostle is Paul's perfect will of God. Amen? Did him being in the will of God 
mean that there was no trouble for him. No. Clearly, he had some troubles. Amen? Clearly, he had some problems that chase after him. Some issues that he had to deal with. So, being in the will of God had no bearing on whether Paul was going to face some trials, did it? Amen? What does that tell you about your life? What do you think? Well, there you go. Paul must have been in the absolute perfect will of God. Amen? Because he, he faced quite a many trials and troubles. And so sometimes, that is a correct statement, when you are in the perfect will of God, like you don't go looking for trouble, but trouble seems to chase after you more than it would if you were just wasting your life away. Amen? Hallelujah. So Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, then it goes on to say, to the saints in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. I love this introduction. There's so much there. So Paul, who's operating in the will of God, is writing to two groups here. Who are they? The saints and the faithful. The saints and the faithful. Well, aren't those the same thing? Aren't the saints and the faithful the same? Well, let's break it down a little bit. It says, to the saints in Ephesus. Well, that would mean to me um, the believers that were a part of the Ephesians church. So he's writing to the believers of the, uh, you know, in that church. But then it says, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Well, what's the difference in a saint and a faithful? So it could be that he was intending for this to be for the church in Ephesus and for other faithful believers around the, the area. Because he did intend for this letter to get passed around, right? Even though he wrote it to the Ephesians church, the intention was that they would read it and that they would share it with their neighbor and they would read it. It was meant to be passed around to the, to the different regions of that area and shared around. That's why it was impersonal, right? But I think it can also mean something else. I asked myself this question. We're all saints, right? Saints is just believers, I don't mean saint like you have a halo, you know, and you know, like you think about saint this and that. Saints is just believers. Are all saints, are all believers, faithful believers? Uh-oh. Now we're going to get down to it. So he's writing to the saints, but he's really writing this to the faithful believers. What does that mean? Faithful saints, the faithful saints, not just the saints, but the faithful saints. 
the ones that would open their eyes and see and hear what he's about to say. Because there's a level of being a believer, and then there's next level believing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that call themselves Christian. A lot of people. And I'm not denying that they're, they really are, you know, what they say they are. But then there's another level of believing that comes with being faithful. Taking the word that you hear, applying it to your life, letting revelation come where it wasn't before. Using the things that you've learned and putting them into practice in your life. That's called being faithful. Amen? And so what Paul's telling us right here is, I'm about to tell you something. I'm about to share something with you, and it's for all of the believers, but really, it's for the ones that's going to hear me and apply what I'm about to tell you. That's what he's saying. Did you know all that was in the introduction? And there's more. Yes, there is. Does somebody have more to add to verse 1? We're just on verse 1. Anybody? This is our opportunity to talk tonight. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, so verse 2 says this. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. So this letter, it was written down by Paul, right? But who really wrote it? From God and Jesus is what it says. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. God wrote this for you. God wanted you to know some stuff. And when he sends his grace and his peace as a greeting to you, does that sound like he's mad at us? (laughs) It sounds like he loves us. Amen? He loves us. And he freely gives grace and peace. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, let's look at verse 3. We're going to get somewhere now. Y'all ready? (laughs) I love how he does the introduction. Here I am, Paul. I got a message for you. And then he starts the next thing out he says is praise. The very first thing he says is praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Now before I dive into that, what part of that jumps out at you?
What part of that one verse jumps out at you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Tim. This is what I want you to see from this verse. And there's a lot here. Trust me, there's a lot. But it says, praise be to God who has blessed us. Does it say, praise be to God who one day in heaven will bless us? Praise be to God who, if we act right, will bless us. If we say the right words, will bless us. It doesn't have anything to do with will do anything. It says, who has blessed us. Who has blessed us. Did you know that the blessing is already yours? I will say it again. Blessing is already yours. No, no but. <laughs> the blessing is already ours. The blessing is ours. We're going to talk about what the blessing is because, you know, we might have some weird idea about what we think the blessing is. But it's, I, want us, I want us to know the blessing be belongs to you. The blessing of God belongs to you. It has already been freely given to you. Y'all got it, right? It's mine. God's not withholding something. He's not waiting until the sweet by and by to pour out a blessing on you. He's not even waiting until Sunday morning to pour out a blessing on you. The blessing has already been poured out. Has blessed. Blessed what? <laughs> how? Blessed us how? So here's where we're going to talk. There, there are several things that are discussed here in Ephesians 1 that declare who we are in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ is where your blessing is. Okay? In Christ, the benefits that you have received because you are in Christ is called the blessing. I said the benefits that you receive because you are in Christ, those are called your blessing. When the Bible talks about a blessing. And I just wrote this down. I said we who have put our faith in Christ, are not headed to a victory. We're coming from a victory that's already been accomplished. Okay, so that's why sometimes I change the words. Kaylee and I will work on the words of a song. Especially, I'm going to see a victory. I love that song. But I'm not going to see a victory. Because I'm living in the victory. That's why we change the words to that song. Is that all right with y'all? Because the blessing is now. The victory is now. Not I'm going to see a victory. I'm living in the victory. Amen? It doesn't matter what I see. So let's just forget about what I see. Because what I see will lie to me. Is that right? What I hear will lie to me. 
what I see and hear and feel and taste and touch, or whatever all I just said, see, hear, smell, there you go, taste and touch, those are carnal things. You know what the word carnal means, right? Of the flesh. Worldly stuff. And that stuff will lie to you. It'll trick you. It'll deceive you. We don't live by what we see. Right? If the blessing is already mine, then the victory is already mine. Amen? Hallelujah. And so when we start to say things about the promises that are in this word, because we all like the promises, right? We like to read about the promises. When we start talking about the promises, we need to talk about them as if they are now because they are. So when we read about the promise of healing, we're not talking about something that's going to happen later. Healing is now. Deliverance is now. Provision is now. Amen? Hallelujah. Our job is to believe it. Do you find it's hard to believe? Come on, be honest. Be honest. It is sometimes hard to believe, to override your carnal senses, isn't it? How do you think we do that? That's, yes, love is a key. Love is a key. Actually, love is probably the key. But then part two of that is the renewing of our mind. Amen? Y'all know how to do that, right? Study the Word. That's right. And so when people ask me to pray... Pray for me to have the blessing poured out on me. I just need a blessing from God. Because you know, people ask us to do that, right? I mean, we are the pastors. We're supposed to have all the answers to all your spiritual problems and spiritual things. And, And I'm not mocking someone that's a young Christian who hasn't come to this revelation, but it is an insult to God. It would be insulting to God for me to pray, Lord, pour your blessing out on this person when he already did it. So my job is to train that person. Pastor Allen's job is to teach that person that The blessing already belongs to them and how to walk in it and how to see it, how to recognize it, how to declare it over their life. Not ask God to pour some blessing out on them. Amen? He's already done those things. That type of living is carnal living. How many of you know that most Christians live a carnal life? Let me use that word tonight, carnal Most Christians live a carnal 
expression of their life. Everything they do, every response that they have, every decision that they make is based on what they see, what they feel, right? From a carnal point of view. We've got to stop doing that because we've got to train our body and our mind to line up with our spirit. Amen? And that takes faith. That takes faith. How many of you here don't have any faith? We all have some faith, right? Hallelujah. We've been blessed. Yes. I mean, that's pretty small right there. That's all you need. A measure. Amen. All right. Any more comments on verse 3? We're going to work our way through. Are y'all good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, what a good question, because we're getting there, because we're getting right there. That's where we're going. Mike, you just, you figured it out way ahead of time. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. Amen. Let's go on with verse 4, and we're going to get right there. Verse 4, for he chose us in him. Everyone say, in him. We are in Him. Amen? He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose us in Him. Now, don't get all predestination-minded. That's not what that says. Your your sovereignty of God, people, and all the... They'll get... See... God chose the ones that would be saved, and then he chose the ones that would not. Okay, come on. Let's really understand what this says, okay? That is not what it says. Amen. But he did choose us. He chose all of us. It is his will that every person come to the knowledge of His saving grace. Amen? Every person. But not every person chooses Him. He chose us all, but every person does not choose Him. Amen? Hallelujah. I will say this. He knew from the beginning who would choose Him, though. Does that mean that He forced one to choose and one not to choose? No. Foreknowledge is not the same as predestination. All right? That's a whole other sermon for another day, and, you know, we could just stay there all the rest of the night. But I think we're all clear on the idea that God chose us all. Amen? And we have been adopted. We've been adopted. We have been adopted into Him, in Him. And that is why that He can call us holy and blameless. 
Are you outside of Him holy and blameless? Is there anything holy about you outside of Him? No. But in Him, and because we've been adopted, and because He chose us, He can call us holy. We can call ourselves holy and blameless. Do you think it sounds arrogant to say, I am holy? To the world, it sounds arrogant. I am holy. I am blameless. To the world, that sounds arrogant, right? Is there something unscriptural about me saying I am holy? Very scriptural, right? It's right there. Yeah. We are created as a human being in the image of Christ. Yeah. Is what now? Is it spiritual? What do you mean by spiritual? I don't know what I said. If did I say it that we're not? We're we are a spirit being. We're not holy. If you are separated from God, then there is not, nothing holy about you. You are created in the image of God, right? So you are a, that means you are a spirit being. You carry the attributes of God. So you're not created in the image of an angel. You're created in the image of God. You carry the attributes of a spirit being, right? But because you were born into a broken, sinful world, you carry a broken, sinful nature, and holiness and sinfulness can't reside in the same place. Right? Is that right, Austin? And so, because you've been chosen and adopted and you're we're going to talk about this a little bit more your nature is remade when your nature is remade at salvation all of a sudden let's just get right there let me find out where it is we're going to get there in just a minute i think it's coming right now verse five let's look at verse five in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And I'll keep going. To the, to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. All right. So verse 5 talks about the plan of redemption, which is the plan of adoption. Redemption is adoption. Amen? And God made this plan before the, before the world was created. He didn't, 
This is not plan B. He didn't uh, create the world and then say, oh my gosh, I did not even think about the idea that there might be, you know, a fall. Let me come up with a new plan. No. Before the world even was begun, he had this plan. Amen? This plan of adoption. And in adoption, this is leading up to it, Tim, when a person is adopted, they are completely, the ties that they had with their former life are completely severed. Gone. There's no claim to the former life and now you have been reassigned to a new master or a new parent or a new family, okay? So the, the old is gone and here comes the new. You know this verse, right? And, and this process of adoption is God's will for everyone, by the way. He predestined it that way. He wanted to see everyone come to his saving grace. All right? Well, why did he give us this grace that it talks about in verse 6? It says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, Why do you think we got this grace? Because he loves us. Thank you. Let me tell you how much he loves Who has a King James? Read it in the King James. There's one word in there I want you to read to me. Verse 6 in the King James. Verse 6. Accepted. King James says accepted. That word accepted. I'm about to make y'all happy. That word the original word for that word accepted because it just, when we read it in English, it doesn't sound that powerful, does it? Yeah, we've been accepted. But in the original language, the word that they translated accepted was only used one other time in the New Testament. Now right here it's talking about me, you, the grace that God gave you because He has accepted you. It was only used one other time, and that was in Luke chapter 1 when the angel Gabriel came and presented himself to Mary, to the Virgin Mary, before Jesus was imparted to her. And the Gabriel the angel came and said to Mary, You have been accepted, highly favored and blessed, one. That word accepted means 
highly favored and blessed. And Gabriel came and made that declaration to Mary because she's about to carry and birth the Messiah. And the only other time that word is used is when God is declaring his grace and his love to us. And he's saying, you, Tim, highly favored and blessed. Amen? Isn't that good? Highly favored and blessed. Blessed and highly favored one. That is what that grace is. Amen? Y'all need to circle that in your Bible. If it doesn't say accepted, it'll say something like uh, freely given, something like that. Yeah. Bestowed, yes. <clears throat> Out in the margin, you should write accepted, blessed, and highly favored. Lord, it says it all the time. How are you today? I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen? There is truth to that. It's right there in Ephesians. Hallelujah. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse 8. That He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So... Jesus' blood was the payment, and God's grace was the avenue that he got it to us by. Amen? And this grace that we're talking about came with a few add-ons. It came with wisdom and understanding or knowledge. Some versions call it prudence. Right? Wisdom is full intelligent of things, spiritual things, natural things, wisdom, full intelligence. And knowledge or understanding is knowledge and the love of the will of God. And so knowledge is informative. Wisdom is application of the knowledge. Right? Knowledge is knowing and wisdom is doing. Knowledge is having information Wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. Amen? And you've been given both as a free gift. It came with your grace. And then verse 9 says, And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So there's that in Christ again, talking about God's purpose. Why did he give us this wisdom and understanding? So that we can know his will. Amen? You do want to know why God wants you to do stuff and what he wants you to do and what your eternal purpose is here, right? You're not just floating around here for no good reason. And it's a good thing to know why you're here and what to do about it, right? That's where you have understanding 
and wisdom. And it talks about mysteries being made known so that we can know his will. Remember, we talked about mysteries before. They're not hidden. Things are not hidden in Christ from us. They are hidden for us. That means we can find them out. This verse is telling us that God has not left us in the dark, so to speak. He has made a way. He does not move in mysterious ways. Scratch that little phrase, well, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. No, he don't. He said right there that he's given you wisdom and knowledge to know his will and his mysterious ways. Because they've been hidden for you, not from you. Amen? Hallelujah. Plus, you have the Holy Spirit, the Word says, this here to teach you some stuff. So all that stuff that you are learning about and the knowledge is coming and the wisdom to know what to do, the Holy Spirit is the one that's showing you that anyway. Amen? Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And then verse 10, I think, says, uh, to be put into effect when the time will have reached their full fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head. Even Christ is talking about the, the millennial reign. Okay? It's talking about the, the time after this time that we're in now. We're in the dispensation of grace. And then after this, Christ will rule over all beings, angel and human being. Amen? And that's what verse 10 is talking about right there. Verse 11, in him, well, there it is again, in him, in him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. Now let me just say right here real quick, if you're wondering if what you are doing is God's will, the first thing you can ask yourself is, is it bringing praise to His glory? There's your test right there. I wonder if I'm doing God's will in this situation. Is it bringing him glory? Does it produce his fruit? Is it glorifying him? That's your test right there. Y'all can do that, right? That's your good test. And then verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed... You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Here's where we're getting to, Tim. <clears throat> right there is a step-by-step -step outline of salvation. Right there, verse 13. Here, you got to hear the gospel first, right? And then you believe, and of course we know you confess what you believe in your heart. But 
But then there's this part we don't talk about very often. You've been marked with a seal. You've been marked with a seal. When you're saved, you're marked with a seal. You see it right there, right? At salvation, we receive a brand new spirit. Not a new mind, not a new body, a new spirit. And according to this verse, that spirit is totally pure and holy. Amen? Your newly created spirit is pure. Brand new. The old spirit is gone. The new spirit has come. Amen? Totally pure. And immediately your spirit is sealed. It says sealed. I kind of think of it like, you ever take a, a steak from the grocery store, you take it straight home, and you know you're not going to eat it right away. So you remember those things they used to have, those uh, vacuum sealing things? You got one. Okay. And you put the steak in there, and it's all pink and new and fresh, and you put it in there, and you, and you suck all the air out, right? And you vacuum seal it. You preserve it, right? No bacteria can get in. No junk can come in. It stops the decaying process. Right? I kind of look at it like that. Our spirit is vacuum sealed. Your spirit is vacuum sealed. Like a steak. And a barrier is formed to keep sin out. This is something people don't really understand. Your spirit is remade and it is sealed. And it keeps out all impurities. That's why you can call yourself holy. And blameless. Because you've been sealed Your spirit's been sealed, right? Now, does that mean that you don't sin? So as a a believer, I'm going to blow y'all's mind. As a believer, does that mean that you never sin again? No, but where do you sin? What part of you sins? Your flesh, your thinking. A Christian person, sin originates in their thinking and in their flesh, in their body, not from their spirit. Their spirit has been sealed. That is why you are called holy and blameless. Amen? That's what this says. The born again... 1 John 3, 9. Somebody look it up real quick. The born-again spirit doesn't sin. Shocking, huh? You got it, Nanette? 1 John 3, 9. 
Hallelujah. Your born again spirit does not, that's not where sin originates. Amen? And verse 14 says, the Holy Spirit is the deposit or the down payment for the the rest of the redemption that's coming your way. Okay? Well, uh, uh, Miss Michelle, I thought I've been redeemed. Because we sing about, you know, I've been redeemed. Well, you have been redeemed, but you're not finished being redeemed. Okay? So there are certain things that you've been redeemed from. Poverty, sickness, spiritual death. But you have not been redeemed from some other things. Your full redemption will not come until you receive your glorified body. Okay? But the Holy Spirit is the deposit, the guarantee that that day is coming. Okay? But you have not been... Re- you have, how many of you have been redeemed from um, aging? No, you, you've been redeemed, you, ne- you don't get old. You just, the day you got saved, you stopped aging. Have you been redeemed? Have you been redeemed from uh, uh, getting a cavity if you don't brush your teeth? It's not really what happened, but he did go to the dentist, it reminded me. Have you been redeemed from not eating Krispy Kreme donuts just whenever you want to? You understand what I'm saying? There's things you have not been redeemed from. Amen? But the Holy Spirit, this verse says the Holy Spirit has come and is there in you as a deposit for the future redemption that's coming. Isn't that good news? So a manifestation of the Spirit is like a, a preview, right? Your speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit is just a preview of, of what is to come. Amen? Hallelujah. And it's almost time to go and we got a little bit more. Here's what I'm going to do. Because we're at the place, verse 15, where it's the prayer that Mike was talking about, the prayer. Y'all got five more minutes, right? Right here, verse 15, is the prayer that we refer people to that they ought to be praying. Now, Paul wrote this prayer, and, you know, I think by the unction of the Holy Spirit, he knew that he was writing this prayer for forever time out, not just to the Ephesians. If you were writing a prayer, let's just think, if you were writing a prayer today and you were writing this prayer for generations and generations to come, to be praying this prayer, you, you know, you'd really think it through, right? What do you think you would write? If you were writing a prayer, you, you know, if I ask this to most Christians... Write a prayer that people from generations on 
humanity to come could pray. Most people would write something like, Oh, Lord, bless these people. I mean, wouldn't we write, Oh, Lord, bless. May your blessing fall upon these people. Er, Didn't we just read that blessing has already come? We might write something like, Lord, pour your spirit out upon them. Er, Didn't he already do that? Oh, God, move among your people. Doesn't he already move among his people? Touch these people's hearts. Lord, bring healing to them. Pour out your healing spirit. We would write some of the dumbest things. And we pray some of the most... Insulting things sometimes, don't we? We pray things that God must be like, um, I already did that. I mean, I already did that. We pray in a non-faith, begging, carnal kind of way. Something that sounds real spiritual, sound, it sounds good. Lord, pour your spirit out upon those people. I mean, that sounds super spiritual, right? But what an insult that must be to God. This prayer, and I want you guys to read it afterwards. I'm sure you've read it before because it's one of those that we should be praying over ourselves all the time. This prayer is, Oh God, open their eyes and let them see what they already have. That's what this prayer is. Let them experience in their flesh and their mind what is already in their spirit. That's what this prayer says. What an amazing prayer. Man, Paul, go guy. Lord, let your people have wisdom and understanding. Open their eyes so that they can see what already belongs to them. That's what this prayer is. Amen? And so I want you guys to take some time and read it, and like really read it. Because this is the way that you need to be praying over yourself. You need to take the, the impersonal part out and put your personal self in this prayer. Insert the word me, wherever it says you. Okay? This is what we should be praying over ourselves. Not, Lord, pour yourself out on us, and Lord, help me make it through this day, and Lord, help me uh, to have more joy. And, and Why are you praying for the fruits of the Spirit when the fruits of the Spirit's already yours? Stop praying for stuff that's already yours. And pray this prayer right here. Open my eyes. Give me wisdom and understanding to see in my heart what already belongs to me, and then, Lord, give me the wisdom to know how to, to produce that in my life. That's how we ought to pray. Yes. And you know what that power is? 
it keeps on going after verse 19, verse 20 and 21. I want you to read 19, 20, and 21 with this in mind. It is explaining to you the authority of you as a believer. The authority of the believer is right there. That, that is it. That's your prayer to have authority as a believer. Let me just see it. Hold on. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, verse 20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you. And he's given you authority to use it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Did y'all know all that was there? There's so much more than that. I had to go fast. Amen. Do y'all like doing this? Let's do it again next week. But here's your homework. Read Ephesians 2 and be ready, okay? Take some notes as you read. Read it more than once. Read it over and over and come up with some, some things that the Holy Spirit... Look, pray this prayer over yourself and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and understanding as you read. He will. Amen? Hallelujah.